0: My name is Kyla Bomstad and I'm a member here with Restored Church. Uh, If you're new, we want to say welcome and thank you for tuning in. Uh, We believe that church is not an event but a family that you belong to, so we would love the opportunity to be able to connect with you. Uh, If you want to learn more about our church or if we can help you in any way, please visit our website at RestoredTemecula.Church and click on Contact. We also have a mobile app with resources including our Sunday messages, information about upcoming events, and other ways to connect. You can download our app on the Apple or Android app stores. Uh, With all that said, we hope you enjoy the message.
1: It is a good morning. I love our church. The fact that it's hard to start these is a sign that you like each other. And I'm 100% behind that. So good good morning. Um, I was my name is Herrick, I'm one of the pastors here, and I wanted to start, before I forget, we actually have two birthdays in the room today. Andy Morehouse and Joel Sherrick. Is Joel Sherrick here? Joel's at work. Happy birthday, Joel, on podcast. Just want to wish you guys a happy birthday. We love you. Happy 40th, Andy. excited to celebrate you with our GC this week. So, uh, my name is Herrick, and I'm going to be continuing our series called The King and His Kingdom. We've been working through this teaching series through the Gospel of Matthew, and this is actually the last one for a while out of the Gospel of Matthew, so if you've been really enjoying this, I'm very glad, but we're going to pause it for a little while, because uh, next week is Andrea, following week is Tom, and then we're going to do a summer in the Psalms, basically, so we'll be taking through different Psalms, and I think it's going to be great. But this is our last one in the Gospel of Matthew, and Jesus has it's a doozy. I've been chewing on these words of of Jesus for the last week, and I'm excited to share with you guys uh, from it. But before I get started, I want to pray. So if you join me, please, in praying for God's help this morning. Uh, Father, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for this opportunity to preach your word. Thank you for this opportunity to gather as a people around Jesus to hear his words, to take his words and teaching in, and to be made new. And transformed by Him. Pray that you would help me. I've been thinking about this stuff all week and, and chewing on a lot of things. God, would you help me just to focus on the things that you feel are most important for us as a church in this time and in this place? I pray for joy and for freedom in this room. The words of Jesus are heavy, but they're they're heavy because the stakes are high and he wants us to have a really good life, and I'm convinced of that. He wants us to flourish as humans. And so I pray that today that this would be a message, this would be a blueprint for flourishing for our community and that you would be pleased to work through it to help us experience what it means to be fully human in Jesus. I we love you and we thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Okay. So the king and his kingdom, the gospel of Matthew. As Tom's been saying and as a preface to most of his messages, if you're new, Really, the idea of the kingdom, it's more, it's more of a reign than a, than a realm. It's more of a power than a place. The kingdom of God is what life is like when Jesus is king, when he brings order and beauty back into our lives, when he makes us fully human. So this morning, as, as I was chewing on, on these words of Jesus that we're going to read today, my mind kept, kept drifting to one thing and one thing over and over, and I was like, I fought it, but I couldn't. We're going to talk about a movie. We're going to talk about West Side Story this morning. Are there any West Side Story fans in the house? Yeah. There's a few. Okay. Has anybody been in a production of West Side Story in like community theater or anything like that? Not a one? Not even you been? Oh. Okay, cool. Well, so West Side Story has been uh, produced. It's been done all over the world. It's a play. It's actually, it's, it's, a, it's a fiction, but it actually is based around a real place, with real events that were happening back in the 1940s, 50s, and 60s in New York City. in the It's called the West Side Story because it's the Upper West Side of Manhattan in New York. And there was a neighborhood there called San Juan Hill, which is now called something else. Anybody been there? Anyone know what I'm talking about? Okay. Uh, so, this is a neighborhood, and it was actually designated as the worst slum in New York City by the New York City Housing Authority back in like 1940 something. So it's a tough place. And what ended up happening is it was designated as a slum and it was set apart to be demolished. And so West Side Story, especially if you watch the remake that Steven Spielberg did. Has anybody watched that? Yeah. Yeah. So it's on Disney Plus. You can check it out if you'd like to. Uh, I, I recommend it. But basically it starts there at San Juan Hill and it starts with this remarkable scene. Within the first three minutes of the movie, I was just completely hooked. And what you see are these buildings in rubble. Like you actually see a neighborhood that's just in tatters, just completely decimated by the devastation that's taken place. He was actually screenshotting stuff on Disney+, Plus, by the way. Incredibly difficult, but I did it. <laughs> just to give you an idea of, of what it is. And I couldn't stop thinking about this picture this week. And you might be wondering, like, why is that? What does West Side Story have to do with anything? Well, if, you, if you've watched the movie, or if you haven't, or if you've watched the play, one of the things that, that is a significant part of the drama is that this is a community that has mismanaged anger and resentment. People are just fuming with hatred towards other people. If you watch the movie, it's like actually pretty stark. It's funny because of the contrast—it's like people are dancing and jumping and singing and leaping, and it's you know fun. And it starts off a beat, but actually under the surface, there is significant hatred that's been building for a long time. Uh, there's poverty. There's social apathy. There's abandonment. There's prejudice. There's resentment. There are serious problems in this place, and that is the beginning of the movie. And there's another scene. There's another shot that just struck me. There's actually a picture of a wrecking ball that is aimed at one of the buildings. This is Steven Spielberg d- doing his magical directing and the wizardry. Also, screenshotting this, very difficult, but again, I did it. This is a, this is like a, you know, second clip, but basically there's this, this wrecking ball. Again, this has been designated as a slum. It's going to be leveled. It's going to be completely raised. There's a wrecking ball pointed at this building. And I couldn't help it. I kept thinking about it, and I was like, "Anger—that anger that the people are experiencing in that community—is a wrecking ball that actually destroys and breaks apart communities. That's what anger does." And as I was thinking about it this week, um, I I thought about my own life, and I'm going to share some stories with you today about how anger has played played out in my life and the impact that it's had. But uh, I know what you're thinking, it's like, oh my gosh, another movie reference, more movie quotes, and some of you are probably like, well, it's better than wrestling. Is it though? Is it? You have no idea how much 90s wrestling ammunition I have that I'll be using over the summer, you're all welcome. But the reason I bring this up is that art really does imitate life, and Jesus, who is he? He's the author of life. He understands life inside and out. And today we're actually going to read some words of his about anger, and he warns his disciples on how much destruction anger can actually do. But the good news is it doesn't have to be that way. Jesus shows us a better way forward. I'm going to read you a quick quote that's going to set up our our text. This is a quote from N.T. Wright, who you're going to be hearing from a few times today. He's one of the premier biblical scholars of our time. So, in this section on the Sermon on the Mount, these are the words that we're going to read. This is kind of the preface to it, N.T. Wright's preface to it. He says that Jesus takes the commands of the law. So, the law was what God gave Israel. It's like, here's how to live, here's how to flourish as human beings. I give you this law. So, Jesus takes those commands of the law and shows how they provide a blueprint for a way of being fully, genuinely, gloriously human. This new way, which Jesus had come to pioneer and to make possible, it goes down deep into the roots of personality and it produces a different pattern of behavior altogether. You've probably heard about the Ten Commandments. One of the most famous ones is, Thou shalt not murder. Right. So Jesus is going to talk about that in this text, but he's going to take it to places that people did not take it to. And it's going to reveal what that actual commandment was all about. So Matthew 5, 21 to 26. If you have a Bible, you can flip over there. If you do not have a Bible, this will be up on the screen here. Thank you, Marshall. Matthew 5, 21 to 26. Jesus talking about that commandment, do not murder. And this is what he says. You have heard that it was said to our ancestors, do not murder. And whoever murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, so he's going to bring in a clearer explanation of the law. But I tell you, everyone who is angry with his brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Whoever insults his brother or sister will be subject to the court. Whoever says, you fool, will be subject to hellfire. So if you are offering your gift at the, on the altar, and there you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled with your brother or sister, and then come and offer your gift. Reach a settlement quickly with your adversary while you're on your way with him to the court. Or your adversary will hand you over to the judge, the judge to the officer, and you will be thrown into prison. And truly, I tell you, you will never get out of there until you've paid the last penny. Okay. Heavy words. Also, they might be a little bit confusing at first. The first few times I read it, I was like really trying to understand what Jesus is saying. But over the course of the week, I really feel like there's three things that have jumped out to me. So if you're taking notes or if you're interested in this sort of thing, the three things I'll be talking about are fire, Fractures and friendship. Fire, fractures, and friendship. So we'll start with the first, and it's kind of like our first topic for the morning. Fire. Matthew five twenty one to 22, we're going to take these two verses on first. Matthew five twenty one to 22. Jesus says, You have heard that it was said to our ancestors, Do not murder. And whoever murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, everyone who is angry with his brother or his sister will be subject to judgment. Whoever insults his brother and sister will be will be subject to the court. Whoever says, you fool, will be subject to hellfire. Okay, I think this is fascinating. Uh, I did a little bit of research this week about about American government, and the Constitution, I believe, was drafted by James Madison. Anybody confirm that? Yep. American (laughs) civics, exciting stuff. So I want you to imagine for a moment Today we have the guardian and interpreter of the U.S. Constitution, which is the Supreme Court. Yeah, you didn't come for a civics class, but you're going to get one. The Supreme Court, according to their website, they're the official guardian and interpreter of the U.S. Constitution. I didn't remember that from civics class, but I googled it, and so apparently it's true. Could you imagine, you know, they, they, they write these opinions and I don't know, a bit of controversy, you would say, right? Based on what the Supreme Court says and does. It, yeah. So could you imagine for a moment that we could get James Madison in the house? The guy who drafted the Constitution. Can you imagine what that would be like? And he'd be like, actually, guys, this. You're dealing with this situation. You're dealing with this. And imagine if, if James Madison were steeped in 21st century in our culture. Like he gets it. And then he comes in and says, actually, you've heard this. This was written in an opinion, but this. That's what's happening here. That's what Jesus is doing. Jesus is James Madison. <laughs> and to be clear, I don't know James Madison's character, so I'm not saying. It's an analogy. It breaks down at some point or another pretty much every time. They all do. You guys understand what I'm saying? Do not murder. Murder. So people thought that they were good if they didn't kill anybody. Have you ever heard somebody say something like, well, I didn't kill anybody, or at least I'm not killing people. You ever heard that? It's pretty common in our culture, right? Uh, It sounds like it might have been fairly common in this culture, too. And so Jesus is addressing that. And he talks about murder, and then he talks about different things. And if you, if really like me, the first time I read it, I felt confused. It felt intense. We're sort of like, what does this mean? R.T. France wrote kind of the, the most widely respected commentary on the gospel of Matthew in modern times. And he said that these verses are a paradox. A paradox. A paradox is a statement that is seemingly contradictory or opposed to common sense, and yet is perhaps true. Does it make any sense for someone to be sent to a court trial for an everyday insult? What do you guys think? No, it doesn't. It doesn't. You blockhead! Officers, arrest this man. You'd be like, okay, this, this is silly, this is stupid. And here's the reality. like Jesus' original hearers, when they heard him say these words, they might have actually initially laughed because of how silly it was. But then they probably stopped laughing when he started talking about hellfire. They're sort of like, ha ooh. That just got real serious. And so here's what I think. This is Herrick's speak for Jesus. I think Jesus is saying something like this. Okay, so you don't kill people. Great. In the tribunal of heaven, God prosecutes insults. It's hella serious. I think that's, I think that's what it is. All my Nor- NorCal peeps probably love that. Nobody else did. No, but it's, it's really serious. Like, insults are treated as seriously as murder. What is up with that? That's strange. God's not simply concerned about murder, but with angry attitudes and motives. Not just, ang- not just murder, but angry attitudes and motives. Let's, talk, let's listen to Dr. Wright again. N.T. Wright has some words about this that I think are really helpful. And it says, "Oh, actually, the first one actually says, it begins with smoldering anger against someone very close to you. So I think it's the the slide before it. So it begins with smoldering anger against someone very close to you. I'll read it. It's okay. It begins with smoldering anger against someone very close to you. All right, it may not result in murder, but the point of the commandment against murder was not that you should stop short of killing someone. But that you should never even get close to the thought that you wish they were dead. What judgment will you incur? Verse 22. Well, it's God's judgment, clearly. But this isn't simply an arbitrary punishment that will catch up with you eventually. It's actually a judgment that will begin right now. Every time you decide to let your anger smolder on inside of you, you are becoming a little less than fully human. You are deciding to belittle yourself. And then he goes on to say, of course, if you let your anger turn into foul and abusive language, sooner or later, you will find yourself, you could find yourself in court. And if you're the kind of person who mocks people and calls them names, the fire inside you may be eventually all that's left of you, as Gehenna, and that's the the Greek word for hell. And that was a smoldering garbage dump in ancient Jerusalem. Gehenna may take you over completely. Uh, this, about 10 days ago, I got a text message from a friend of mine who sent me a little video and the video, he was, it was his, his mom and dad's house, which I've been to many times in Laguna Niguel, which is where I lived for about 10 years. And his mom and dad's house, you kind of see like their house here in the video, but then it's kind of like zoomed out and you just see like plumes of smoke, just massive, massive plumes of smoke. And he had texted me. He's like, "Here's what's happening in Laguna Niguel today." He still lives in that area. I'm not here in Temecula now, but um, obviously, you hear? He still lives over there. But Laguna Niguel was home to me for many years, so I know that area really well. I loved it. Uh, after several years of living there, my parents actually discovered this beautiful hiking trail that was close to my house the entire time, and it went on for miles. And it actually had views of the local mountains, kind of like Saddleback Mountain. You know that area. It had views of a golf course, naturally, of Orange County. Uh, It also had views of Laguna Beach once you kind of got up to the top of the trail. But along the way, what lined it were dozens and dozens of multi-million dollar homes. It was really something. I enjoyed walking it with my parents when I'd come home from college. So my folks sold that home at the worst time. They should have held on to it. It would have doubled. Whatever. We're We're not upset about that. They sold that house, and they moved. So I haven't been to Laguna Niguel in quite a while. I haven't been on that trail in years. But that video message that my friend John sent me was of that area. It was on fire. And it was all over the national news. Did anybody see this in the news? A few of you guys did. Laguna Niguel. It was on Fox. It was on CNN. It was, everybody was covering this, this fire that broke out. And what was interesting was that the fire was actually pretty small. It was less than a half a mile, but the damage was really intense. There were more than 20 homes that were destroyed and 11 others damaged, which might not sound like a lot, but you're going to see some. I'll show you in a minute. There are multi-million dollar mansions. Some of them were like $10 million homes that were reduced to ashes overnight. Just gone. So I want to show you a video to get some perspective on a fire that's out of control. This is what it looks like. Marshall, if you want to cue up video number one, there it is. I used to walk on.
0: And those are the houses.
1: And this is basically what my friend John sent me. It's a video of those plumes. Did you notice the police officer there at the beginning? Uh, If you listen to the the video uh, with the volume turned up all the way, it's like it hurts. Like he's talking in a way. He's not like, hey, everybody, when you're ready, come on out. Things are getting a little dicey here. He doesn't say that at all. He gives a command, get out. Why does he do that? Do you mean he's having a bad day? I don't think so. I think he does it because of what was at stake. And we saw it in that video. The stakes were really high. So when Jesus sometimes gets a little intense, he does it because the stakes are really high. And he cares about you and your relationships. So that video was just kind of mostly from like the level of the homes I'm going to show you another video, just a couple minutes long. Video number two, if you want to get queued up, Marshall. It actually shows from, from the perspective of a helicopter what happened, so you can see it. Oh, Frank, good morning to you. Yeah, we're going to wipe out the shot to start with, and really kind of give you the perspective. This is the next we're to, uh, day. From what we are looking at, at four thousand feet, this is going to be the Aliso Canyon coming
2: in at the top part of the screen, and just to the left, right in the have been started somewhere near that water treatment plant here and so that is kind of the burn scar that you're looking at here. Yesterday afternoon just after 2.30 the call started coming in and that fire started raging up that hill towards us and the first uh, structures that it came across unfortunately were all those homes along Coronado Point here. That is the street that we're showing you there.
1: So these are Uh, massive multi-million dollar homes. Check out what's left. Uh, North of
2: 20 at this point uh, were either destroyed or empty damage, but uh, there is the perspective from our shot at Sky 5 HD. Just a lot of devastation here. Now, Uh, the good news is that the fire department uh, was on scene and they were able to mitigate a lot of the additional damage that could have been caused by this fire here. It's still an unfortunate situation for many of these homeowners along Coronado Point. Uh, but uh, you know, the greater good here is that the fire department, uh, in their efforts, both on the ground and in the air, were able to uh, suppress this fire to what we are looking at right now—something on the border. That of one right there. Could have been a lot nothing left. The it's just
1: walls. That we're uh, whipping up in the area yesterday afternoon and yesterday
2: evening. So again, uh, thanks to the efforts of the firefighting uh, community here in Orange County, uh, the damage has been mitigated. But uh, still, a very sad situation for these folks along Coronado Point. Guys, that is the update from overhead in Sky 5 HD. Let me send it back down to you in Hollywood.
1: And they show some of the before and after. You can kind of see the houses actually on fire. I think that's good. Thank you, Marshall. So you can see the aftermath of that fire, the devastation that took place. And it wasn't just property. I mean, there are memories made in these homes. There were kids that grew up here. I grew up there. I was one of them, not in those homes. We were down the street a little ways, uh, a few zeros down. But um, the kids grew up there. You know, they, they celebrated birthdays, Christmases. Babies were brought home into to these houses. Grandkids spent the weekend with their memes and papas. There were years of shared experiences in life together in these homes. But once the fire started, it grew and spread fast. The damage is extensive, and it all happened so quickly. Really sad stuff. And I think that something similar happens with the fire of anger. And I think this is a part of why Jesus uses imagery and he's warning us. It can quickly destroy relationships that have taken years to build. It can be gone in a minute, in a night. And I think that's why Jesus wants us to be so careful with our words. And I think that's why Jesus is so intense. He's like that police officer get out! Not concerned about hurting our feelings. Because of, what, of the raging fire that's coming. He doesn't want the fire anger to consume our relationships or us. Fascinatingly to me at least, as I've thought through this analogy, James, if we can put that up on the screen, James chapter 3 verses 5 to 6. James is believed to be the uh, half-brother of Jesus. He's someone who chewed on and meditated on the Old Testament, especially Proverbs and the Sermon on the Mount. Clearly, if you read James, the echoes are explicit. So it's sort of like hearing from someone who knew Jesus personally, who chewed on this stuff. Listen to what he says about these, like, the words that come out of our mouth. Verse 5. So too, though the tongue is a small part of the body, it boasts of great things. Consider how a small fire sets ablaze a large forest. And the tongue is a fire. The tongue, a world of unrighteousness, is placed among our members. It stains the whole body, sets the course of life on fire, and is itself is itself set on fire by hell. Sound intense to you? It does to me as well. But I think he's getting at basically the same thing. Craig Blomberg wrote in his exegetical commentary on the New Testament some really helpful words about about James. He says this, the tongue continually corrupts or defiles the person who speaks wrongly. It increasingly damages others just as fire burns out of control. We just saw a video of footage of fire and what it can do quickly. And it is repeatedly kindled by hell itself. The principle is of the crime fitting the punishment. The tongue that starts a fire ends up being punished by fire. The tongue that starts a fire ends up being punished by fire. So what do we need to do? If you're taking notes, number one, manage fiery anger. Manage fiery anger. We're to do whatever it takes to prevent fiery anger from burning out of control. The, uh, the second video I showed you talked a lot about the work that firefighters did to save those homes. Cheers to you guys, firefighters. I know there's firefighters in the room and first responders. Firefighters, I had to Google this because let me make sure to hit up one of the firemen in, the, in our church, but you guys are probably busy. So firefighters control the fire spread or put it out by removing one of the three ingredients fire needs to burn. Heat, oxygen, or fuel. They remove heat by applying water or fire retardant on the ground, and you could see kind of the fire retardant in that second video, the kind of orange dust. It's on the ground using pumps or special wild, wildland fire engines or by air. They drop it from airplanes or helicopters. They remove, remove fuel by cutting and digging to remove burnable vegetation with hand tools, by using heavy equipment like bulldozers to clear large areas of brush and trees and by deliberately setting fires to rob an approaching wildfire of fuel, fighting fire with fire. So firefighters work to remove the ingredients fire needs to burn. Jesus calls our attention to two ingredients that we need to remove for the fires of anger to be extinguished. So that's the next two things we're going to talk about. Second thing we're going to talk about, fractures. If you're taking notes, fractures. How are you guys doing? Yeah. Terrific. Jesus. Here we go. Matthew 5, 23 to 24. Next two verses. Matthew 5, 23 to 24. So if you're offering your gift on the altar, and there you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled with your brother or sister and then come and offer your gift. Go to the temple. Going to the temple, just so you know, Jesus was delivering these words most likely in Galilee. Do you know how far the temple was from Galilee? 80 miles. Basically from here to Los Angeles. When we don't have cars, it takes a while, right? Yes. Thank you, Mark. Three-day walk from here to L.A., which I can not really want to imagine. Whatever. It's a, it's a long journey. You buy an animal to sacrifice at the temple. And you're all ready. And then you remember some relationship that's gone wrong. Oh, snap. Here's a quote. One, more, one last quote from N.T. Wright. The scene becomes almost comic. It takes about three days to get back to Galilee, where most of Jesus' hearers lived. He cannot seriously have imagined an anxious worshiper leaving a live animal sitting there for a week in the temple, while they scurried back home, apologized to the offended person, and then returned to Jerusalem. As is so often in his teaching, Jesus seems to be exaggerating to make the point. The point is that you must live day by day in such a way that when you come to worship, there is no anger between you and your neighbor, your sister, your brother. N.T. Wright. Right relationships demand decisive action. RT friends. Given how quickly and badly things can go and anger gets out of hand, this sense of urgency, does it make sense to you? Now? It makes sense to me. There's a moment in the West Side story movie that I thought was maybe my favorite part of the whole thing. Uh, Tony and Riff. Tony and Riff are kind of like the two leaders of the Jets, which is one of the gangs. It's a rival gang thing. It's actually based on Romeo and Juliet. Can't get into it all now, but it's really clever. And there's rival gangs, and there's a love story. It's actually better than I, I don't know. I was kind of down on it this week, but I think I'm more excited about it now. It's a really good story. Tony and Riff are the two leaders of the Jets. And there's a rival group called the Sharks. The Sharks were the Puerto Ricans, actually, which I'm like, who would I have been a part of? Hopefully, I would have just stayed out of it, but I could kind of go either way on this. I'm Puerto Rican. This doesn't make a lot of sense (laughs) if you don't know me. I'm a Puerto Rican-American, American-Puerto Rican. It's really confusing. Whatever. I would have stayed out of it, for sure. I would have just let them do their thing. But Tony was one of the Jets, and his anger burned out of control to the point where it actually burned someone badly. He went to prison for a year. And he actually came back to these old friendships with a brand new perspective. And this is what Tony said. This is a conversation between Tony and Riff, these two angry gang leaders. Tony's actually starting to rethink things. And he said that he was reflecting in that year that he spent in prison, and he said, I'm scared of myself. Which I was like, wow, I'm scared of myself, of what I'd done to that kid. This was written back in the 1950s. Like, what I'd done to that kid. Different, whatever. Riff says, you got to get over that. What's the point of beating yourself up for that? Tony, I want to be unlike how I was. I want to be unlike how I was because I was just appearing down a sewer and taking you and everything with me. I had lots of time locked up like that. For the first time ever, I took a look inside. And that was rough doing that. But I got to stay with myself. Maybe stay by myself. Just, and then Riff cuts him off. Riff can't handle it. He says, you know what? You're just too deep for me, kid. You know, I don't know who I am, and who cares who I am? Nobody, including me. I know that this dust that's covering everything right now, that's the four-story building that got taken down when you were, when you were upstate in prison. You know, I wake up to everything I know either getting sold or wrecked, or being taken over by people that I don't like, and they don't like me. And you know what's left of all that? The Jets, this gang that they started, that they're a part of. The guys who are just like me, who are just like you. So what's happening here? This was Riff's chance to listen to a friend, take a look inside, and take action to stop the fire of anger and resentment. What did he choose to do? He he shut it off. He said no. He stopped that conversation. What ended up happening to that fire? If you've seen the movie, I'm going to try not to ruin it for you. I'm going to ruin little bits of it. Don't hate me. (laughs) Got to make it work for the message. Um, The fire exploded. And his decision, you know what it led to? Irreversible consequences and damage. And each of us has a choice when we experience the fires of anger to either pursue peace or pass. Everybody. The Lord gives you the dignity to choose. You can choose to make peace or you can pass. And Jesus is saying that his disciples should prioritize right relationships In this parable, even over worship, which, just let that sink in for a minute, even over worship, this is more important. Is this, how does this land for you guys? Am I the only one that's like, this feels really, this is wild, what Jesus is saying. I remember once uh, having a conflict with someone, and the issue itself was actually pretty minor. It wasn't a big thing. But I, I've, I was angry about what happened, and over time, it became clear that I was not okay. And for a while, there was really only one thing that I noticed, which was just how I felt. And I can tell you, I felt slighted, I felt put down, I felt disrespected. But my irritation and frustration were growing out of proportion with what happened, and I just didn't see it. I, I didn't see it. As I reflect on it now, there was wounded pride in my heart. And that makes it hard to see things straight. Or, if I'm honest, it makes it hard to want to see things straight. All I paid attention to for a while were just my grievances. This, 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 this. Interestingly, it didn't lead to peace. Just focusing on the grievances didn't actually help me. Over time, a godly friend gently pointed out what I couldn't see. I actually had no grace for this person or situation. None. I was becoming embittered. It was then that I had the choice. That was my riff and tony moment. Pursue peace or pass. And I had an opportunity to reflect and do you know what I thought about? And this must have been the spirit because I'm too self-focused by nature to be thinking about this stuff. I thought about Jesus and how much he had forgiven me. And I thought about how I wasn't extending grace to someone else because I don't even feel like I need grace because I'm so great. And once that sunk in, I had a conversation with that person and apologized for my part of the conflict. There's a book that was tremendously helpful. If you remember nothing else from this message, just get this book. It's called Resolving Everyday Conflict by Ken Sandy. It's a hundred, You can do this in two sittings. It's a very easy read. It's the most practically helpful, biblically informed. He's a lawyer and a mediator. The guy just knows how to... Christian conciliator. He knows what he's talking about. So I went through that book, and it really helped me. And I actually didn't get an apology back for the person, even though there was things. But I did what I needed to do at peace, and I don't regret it at all. And as I was chewing on this, I think it's important for us to remember, like, this sort of conflict resolution can be completely normal in the church. Completely normal. In fact, I would say it's healthy and necessary. That's how we know if, we've, if, we're, if we're, like, if we really are following Jesus, we're going to have a lot of conversations, just checking in with each other, hey, let's talk about this. And it doesn't have to be, in, like, you don't need to be a PhD to, to sort this stuff out. Um, I don't know if you guys have watched the kind of legendary, critically acclaimed movie Zoolander. There are actually two male models, and there was a fracture in their relationship. And they try to work it out with a breakdance fight. And you know what? It didn't work out. But eventually, like, they got together with a friend in the middle. And they were just like, why are you acting so crazy? I'm like, why are you acting so crazy? Well, I don't know. And then you know what happens? You go back and watch that clip. They start to actually share what's going on in their hearts. It is amazing. Insecurity. Fear. Wounded pride, it all comes out. All of it does. Some things I can't say here from the front come out too. Certain insults that I won't say. But my point is, they worked it out. And all it took was a conversation, an honest conversation. It's, it's not rocket science. The only thing that's required is the hardest thing that's required. What is that? Humility humility. The Spirit of God helps us and works through us and His people to remind us of what's missing when it's lost, humility. So here's my second point, if you're taking notes. How does Jesus teach us to respond to the brokenness in our relationships? Number one, we need to manage the fiery anger within. Number two, we need to mend fractures. We actually need to mend fractures. If Derek Zoolander can do it, you can do it. Let's talk about friendship. This is my last thing for today. Matthew five, twenty five to twenty six. Jesus says this reach a settlement quickly with your adversary while you're on your way with him to the court. Or your adversary will hand you over to the judge and the judge to the officer, and you will be thrown into prison. Truly I tell you, you will never get out of there until you have paid the last penny. Okay. I'm going to read you a quote that I think really helps to flesh this out. This is from Michael J. Wilkins, uh, who wrote a a really helpful commentary on Matthew. He says this, The second scene, this is what we just read right now, is on the way to courts where a litigant is taking a disciple, apparently over some dispute about money. Before the legal process is put into action, Jesus' disciples are to settle matters quickly. Which that's how it's translated, but what it says in the literal language is, Make friends quickly with one's adversary. More than simply discharging legal affairs, Jesus' disciples are to seek a kind of reconciliation that creates friendships out of adversarial relationships. Can we go back to that one real quick, Marshall? I'm going to read it one more time, because I feel like this... More than simply discharging legal affairs, Jesus' disciples are to seek a kind of reconciliation that creates friendships out of adversarial relationships. Have you ever heard someone say, ah, oh, man, Christianity is just too easy? <laughs> yeah. Some people say it, and then they read Jesus and they shut up. Let's keep going. Next slide. Unreconciled anger is the inner equivalency of murder. <sighs> okay. Did you, are we getting this? <laughs> Unreconciled anger is the inner equivalency of Murder which is impossible to repay. To leave problems unreconciled is to allow the sin that has been created to continue to destroy relationships between people. Fulfilling the law's command, this is all going to come full circle now. Well, this is what we started with. What does it actually mean to not murder? Fulfilling the law's command, do not murder, is not accomplished simply by avoiding legal homicide. At least I didn't kill anyone. Again, Jesus would say, Great. Jesus reveals that the intent of the law is to nurture relationships. It's actually way better. Can we agree that this is way better than just don't kill a dude or a gal? It's to nurture relationships. Jesus' disciples must have a daily urgency about maintaining the healthy life of their relationships, both with other disciples and with non-disciples. Anything that we do that strips away, listen to this, the, the personal distinctiveness of a brother or sister is sin. And it's our responsibility to become reconciled. A few years ago, um, I, I went through one of the most painful uh, conflict situations that I've ever been through. And the details actually don't matter that much. It, it was a situation where I felt like what I did and said was interpreted in the worst possible light. Have you ever been there before? where somebody just assumed the worst about you? And as I've reflected on this, the impact that it had, we'll just focus on the impact, it felt like a stripping down of my humanity into a caricature. Like a little cartoon. A little cartoon of hair, which is normally funny, it wasn't. It was not funny. This wasn't wasn't funny. It hurt really bad. It was so confusing because I'd actually taken steps to care for this person and invest in their life and well-being. I'm talking time and prayer and effort. So internally, it was discombobulating. It just threw me off. It was really confusing. But here's the cool part. We sat down and we talked. And others were there to help. People who are peacemakers, who are are good at helping to bring people together. And through conversation, understanding came. I felt like I became human again in their eyes as they started to understand. But equally important, I began to understand this person I realized over time that this was a really hurt person with decades of pain before I even showed up to the scene. I stepped on a landmine of their pain and I got some of the shrapnel. But then something amazing happened. This person actually started to manage their fiery anger with the help of God. They ended up apologizing and they owned the fact that they had relied on assumptions about me and narratives not based on reality. I felt human again. It was amazing. By the end of the conflict resolution, we were friends. We could talk and I could ask about this person's life and they could ask about mine. There was prayer and care. I got the privilege of hearing their life story and guess what? Things made sense. And so I'm walking away thinking, Jesus knows what he's talking about. He knows what he's talking about. How do we navigate anger? Here's the three points. If you're taking notes, write these down. The three points are we manage fiery anger, we deal with what's actually going on in our hearts and minds, our wounded pride, or whatever it is. We mend fractures, and then we make friends. We make friends. It's actually really simple, but it, it's really hard to right? It only took me 15 commentaries to get to those three points. <laughs> True story. So if, you, if you're looking for one thing to take away from this message, read Ken Sandy's book, number one. Number two, what does this reveal about the king and his kingdom? Right? We're in a series called The King and His Kingdom. And I think this, this is the key point. Right relationships reveal the kingdom, while broken relationships conceal it. Right relationships reveal the kingdom, while broken relationships conceal it. If you're talking on the other side of conflict, you could modify this to say, restored relationships reveal the kingdom, while not yet, well, relationships that remain broken conceal it. But it's not as pretty, so just go with this. Right relationships reveal the kingdom, while broken relationships conceal it. So I just got to ask the question, are there broken relationships in your life right now that need attention? Is there hurt and pain that you're carrying or that maybe you've inflicted on other people that needs to be dealt with? If that's you and that feels overwhelming, I have really good news for you. Check this out. At the end of the West Side Story, we're going to go back there one more time. Try not to ruin it for you. But there is a a very important death that actually takes place. And it's a death that united the Jets and the Sharks. Again, screenshotting Disney+, Plus. you just got to believe me, this was really hard to do. But here we are. This is a scene where one of the guys, one of the gangs, is being lifted up. Do you know who's lifting him up? It's a blend of the Jets and the Sharks together carrying this person out. There is a death that unites enemies, and that is the death of Jesus. There's a death that unites enemies, and that is the death of Jesus. It's the kind of death that happened because of human anger, because of sin run rampant. He took all those consequences on himself, on the cross. And then he came to mend fractures and make friends with you and with me. That's what he did. And he had every right to be angry. Every right to be angry. And what does he do? He extends grace. He extends forgiveness. He doesn't downplay the wrong, but he extends grace and forgiveness. And he invites us all to be transformed by following his way by receiving forgiveness, by receiving grace. It's a kingdom not of grudges, but of grace. That's the reality of the kingdom. And so I'm going to call the band up. I'm going to land this plane. How you guys doing? You Okay. I hope you walk away from this message knowing a couple things. Number one, Jesus really cares about your relationships. Probably more than you do. And number two, he's made a way through. The rubble, the debris, and the fire. If, you, if you're someone whose life is characterized by the debris of broken relationships, I just want you to know like Jesus knows what that's like, and he can help. He was someone who walked through this life with people who rejected him, who insulted him, who treated him poorly, and he loved them to the very end. Like, he can teach you, he can help you, he can guide you through what it looks like to respond to things properly. And he can also help you to repent wherever you've gone wrong, because the gospel makes us humble people. The gospel says you're way more messed up than you ever realized, but you're also way more loved than you could ever imagine. So for you, what is it today? What do you need to take away from this message? Maybe it's a specific point. Maybe it is like pick up the phone and call someone before you go home. Someone that you need to talk to. Maybe there's somebody in this room that you need to approach and apologize to and own some things to. Maybe for you, you just need to receive grace and mercy for the first time. Maybe you're here and you realize like, oh my gosh, am I a sinner? (laughs) This stuff about fire and destruction is really intense. Have I ever actually grappled with that? Do I see my own sin as a fire that destroys God's new creation and new humanity? You might need forgiveness. For others of you, you might just need to praise. You might just be like, man, Jesus is really good. I'm so grateful to him. And I may not be experiencing conflict right now, but I'm so glad that he's made a way through because I will experience conflict tomorrow or next week or next month or next year. It's coming. And you can just praise him because he's made a way for you to navigate those waters without destruction. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask you guys to stand if you're able. And then we'll go into some song. Father, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for sending your son for us he died the death that we deserved on account of our anger and he was raised to life so that we could actually learn to put anger away to be free from malice to be free from all of the things that consume and destroy human relationships envy, jealousy, pride Jesus you can set us free and I pray for each of us in this room that you would highlight the next step for us. The next step of freedom, which may be the freedom of praise. It may be the freedom to pray for a situation that you need help with. I don't know. Maybe it'd be the freedom of repentance to say, I've been wrong. God, forgive me. Help me to be restored to this person. Would you help us to become a community of people who are peacemakers, ministers of reconciliation? I pray that as a church that we would learn what it looks like to be united around the death of your son. So that no matter what would fracture us, no matter what would drive us apart, politics, ethnicity, socioeconomic, anything that would potentially drive us apart, would we be united around the son, the death of the one who brings us together. God, we love you and we're grateful to you. You're really kind to us. And I thank you that you don't desire the fire to consume us, but you desire actually for us to be restored and made new and our relationships to be the same. God, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay. Let's sing, and then Tom will be up here a little bit later to close us out.
0: that's highlighted in some stuff for us this morning. I want to call, if you're on the prayer team, would you just kind of make your way to the side of the room? Uh, one of the things that is really important is that we do we bet the best that we can to discern uh, where God is leading us, and specifically that, that that takes shape in multiple ways. It's It's both an individual thing and a corporate thing. Because his, his desire is to redeem, his desire is to renew, his desire is to bring healing and wellness and goodness. And here's how crazy he is. With all reverence, like, even he can take something even as, as, as radical and as painful as suffering and bring renewal out of it. So it's not like a health well thing, like, oh, he just wants you to be happy and good. And like, he cares about your complete wellness. And he's so transcendently powerful that even in a broken and fallen world, orchestrate things to bring about good even out of evil, man. And the things that I feel like God's highlighting this morning for, I think it's several people in the room, is this, this analogy of the, the, the fire of anger. I think that God's highlighting some, some scars, some burns, some like burn marks on your soul. And the things that I feel like he's highlighting is specifically words Words of anger that have left burn marks, burn scars on people. And I feel like he wants to minister. I feel like he wants to mend. I feel like he wants to apply some healing ointment on those wounds. So two people, two types of people in the room. Words that came from a place of anger that have been on your heart for a while. Maybe from somebody really close. Family, parent, sibling, spouse, close friend. You even right now, you're starting to come to your mind, a couple of you. You can you start are here you're, 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 you're being reminded of those 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 words. That's one person. The other person as those words have come out of your mouth in your worst moments and moments you're not proud of. If that's you, would you meet with God before you leave, please? Would you take him up on his invitation to father you and care for you and mend you and begin to instigate healing in your life? Fire needs to be put out with it can be put out with several different ways like Eric talked about, but the analogy that we always have in our minds is like water, right? Water's gonna douse the flames. Guys, some of you desperately need like living water to quench the flames of anger and the, the ways that they've scarred you or that it's, it's, it's been used to scar others. If that's you, there's trusted men and women that are kind of scattered through the back of the room over here. They have lanyards on. Hear me. They're available and they're trustworthy to Minister to you with prayer in the ways that God might want to just bring healing in your life. If that's you, we got, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes left in our gathering. The band's still going to serve us. Thanks for letting me interrupt, guys. But please, before you go, if that's you, if you're either one of those people, would you please meet with the Lord through trusted men and women off to the side? You can go anytime you want, okay? The band's going to lead us please capitalize on this moment. This is, the, this is the pinnacle of our gathering. Responding to God, engaging with him individually and corporately in light of who he is and what he's done through Jesus that can bring about our freedom. He, he literally is saving. Freedom, deliverance from the, the, the fire of anger that can cause so much damage in our lives, okay? Thanks, guys. Sorry us huh? pray for us and there's two more people I feel like God's highlighting we're just gonna sit for a moment okay I'm actually gonna have you take a seat okay go ahead and take a seat Here's how we're going to pray. I'm going to preface this by saying that you are as much a spiritual being as you are a physical being. And in the same way, your lungs need to inhale and exhale, your spirit needs to exhale sometimes too. And it's really hard to do if you're moving really fast. And it's really hard to do if your schedule is really full. And if there's something that you have to do, something you have to be to, something you need to accomplish. So what we're gonna do is we're just gonna like sit for a minute. Can you just play over us? And you're gonna close your eyes and you're just gonna let your spirit exhale. If I'm freaking some of you out in the room right now, I'm sorry, I'm not sorry. You really need this. And then I'm gonna pray for us, okay? So go ahead and take a moment. And just let your spirit be at rest, okay? Let your spirit be at peace. For those of you that have already um, responded to God inviting you uh, to let him minister to you through one of the prayer ministers this morning, wonderful. Uh, God has a way of pursuing, and theres I think there's still a couple, uh, two different kinds of people that I feel like God's still highlighting. Uh, Herrick has something, and then I'm going to call you up, Sienna. She's going to share something really quick and then we're going to close, okay?
1: Yeah, during this back half of worship, I just feel like this sense of, of burden, like that God wants to release some of these burdens that we carry. And specifically, uh, Tom talked about the burn, like feeling burned, or actually being burned, or in some cases, burning others. And I think the, the thing that was coming to mind was criticism. James 4.11, don't criticize one another, brothers and sisters. And it goes on from there. And the context of that passage is just pride and self-focus and all that stuff. So this is a criticism that could really damage relationships. And some of you probably carry the burden, the burns of criticism. And I believe that there might be an opportunity that today to today, just receive grace and mercy from God a release of his love into that area of your life. On the flip side, it could also be, and I'm not really sure, it could also be that you might carry the burden of being the judge over other people. And that is a burden. I'm using that language really carefully because that is an exhausting burden that we were never meant to carry, to be the judge of our our brothers and sisters. That's his job. And I think he wants, potentially, to free some of us today from that, potentially. So if that resonates with you, I'll be right here and I would love to pray for you. Either way, on on either side.
0: If that's you, please don't leave without uh, letting Herrick pray for you. Santa, come on out, girl.
2: Yeah. Um, Something that really resonated with me um, that Herrick had mentioned was um, in West Side Story when Tony was like, I'm Like, I had time to be introspective and reflect, um, and I'm scared of myself. I don't want to be that person. Um, and like the verse that just kept coming to mind over and over is that he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Um, and I think part of that is for me, for sure. That's something I'm struggling with right now. Um, but also I just know, like, if that's you, I would love to pray for you and we can pray together, um that we just have that truth just penetrate our hearts, that God is so much greater than what other lies that we may believe in. So, yeah.
0: God has a way of, uh, in a cool way, incorporating. Um, it's rarely just like a one-off thing. It's like something he wants to do in you and something he wants to do through you. So if that resonates with you, Sienna's just up here in the front. Just come and hang with her. You guys can maybe pray together before you leave. Let me pray for all of us and then we'll do a bit of a soft close. You can grab your kids, you can hang out, you can receive prayer. Uh, the kids ministers just need to be relieved by noon. Okay, guys? Let me pray. Father, thank you for moments um, when we can slow down enough and and let our souls breathe. So much of life is like shouting at us all the time. There's so much noise. Some of it's really unhelpful. Some of it's really distracting. Some of it's just. like Some of it's, it's right. But I thank you for moments like this morning when we can allow our soul, with intentionality, we can allow our souls to slow down a bit and to breathe and to let you lead us and guide us. That's what we're after. We're after your kingdom. That's the aim and the desire of our heart. And thank you for grace and forgiveness for us, over us when it's not. So I pray for all of us in the room that we would see um, relationships the way that you see relationships as supremely valuable, as worth fighting for, not fighting over. Would you guard our hearts against the dangers and the fire of anger? Show us the way, Jesus. We look to you. You're our shepherd, and you're our savior. All the ways that we blow it, you didn't, and you did it in our place. Your perfect performance, your perfect worship, Thank you. I pray peace over the room this morning. For the rest of the day, every heart in this room, the freedom to give ourselves over to peace, to shalom. Not just the absence of conflict, but the presence of wholeness. Thank you that your body and your blood purchases that for us, Jesus, and it's available to us every moment of our day. We love you, we honor you, we praise you. And all God's people said, amen. All right, guys, love you very much. Enjoy your Sunday. Um, If you need to receive prayer, the ministers will be available. Sienna, Herrick, just make sure you grab your kids by noon. Know that you're loved.